guys, welcome back to another episode of Shut Up and Start Talking. Um, it's been a while. This is <laughs> this is week three of us trying to record. Of us trying and failing. There were storage issues, exporting issues. Um, None of this is interesting, but it's really been a struggle. Yeah. So we haven't like put out an episode since the week before Thanksgiving, and we are coming at almost two weeks since Valentine's Day. We have tried to record, like, we created two episodes and tried to record them, and the computer was just like, no, no thank you. So if you're hearing this, this is a success. If you're hearing this and we actually succeeded with something for once in our lives. So on that note, should we get into the news? Let's get into the news. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. The news. Okay, I'm going to start with the first story, which is actually good news, which I feel like we all need. So I kind of threw it in there for some fun. Um, The number of Americans hospitalized for COVID-19 is at its lowest since early November. So this is great. Um, The hope is the worst is behind us. But scientists are worried that a fourth wave would come if people stop wearing masks, stop social distancing, and if states lift restrictions too quickly because of the cases falling. Uh, Hopefully that doesn't happen. Also, the vaccines appear to be effective against the variants, which is fantastic news. However, the variants are more contagious. So that's why there's been like a lot of talk about either double masking or wearing a mask that's tighter to your face um, by the CDC. So you just need to be more careful because the variants are more contagious, but they aren't more deadly. So hopefully hospitalizations will go down as people get vaccinated. Um, speaking of COVID, let's talk about the schools, um, quote unquote, reopening the schools, which essentially means reopening them to like full capacity five days a week every student in there um because most of the schools in the country are doing like an a b type system where they go for like two days a week um and then have online school for the other three days so apparently schools can be reopened to full capacity um with precautions like mask wearing and social distancing um, and vaccinating teachers and then also still maintaining these virtual alternatives if like students or staff members get sick or they don't want to come in or like any of that kind of stuff Um, so basically um, if teachers were vaccinated like right now every single teacher in the country it would push back everybody else's vaccine by a few days like at the most I don't think this is that dire of a situation um, for vaccines to be pushed back um, because vaccines are not coming out anyway. So we might as well vaccinate the teachers. Um, Especially like there's been a lot of talk, at least of vaccinating teachers who work in like elementary schools, because that's the hardest for parents to take care of like elementary age children. Because when you have like middle school and high school age you're independent enough at that point that like you can sit on a computer by yourself so i don't understand why we're not vaccinating teachers like i'm confused i mean there's been a lot of issues with the vaccine rollout but even to move them up into the phase so that they could get vaccinated like they're not even in that phase right now 
Um, so why don't we just like vaccinate at least like elementary school teachers? Yeah, no, I agree. Like my sister is in sixth grade and she goes to school like two days a week and she has virtual the rest of the three days. But like she's so independent that like she just kind of like sits in her room on her computer, like does her thing. But I can't imagine having like a five-year-old, six-year-old. First of all, they're learning like basic skills, like foundational skills, which is already hard enough on Zoom, but also for parents that are working full time, either if they're being forced to go back in the office or if they're still working from home, that's still like a big challenge. Also, if parents are working like non-traditional nine to five jobs um, in which they've never kind of had a break, like people who work in the service industry or the food industry um, that work like, you know, weird shifts. So. I mean, like, I support it, I guess, if the proof has come out that, like, it won't increase transmission, then that's good, as long as kids are good with, like, wearing masks and social distancing, which I feel like even high schoolers aren't. So, like, I wonder how elementary school students... Actually, elementary school students tend to be better because they're so young that they're... I don't know how to say this without sounding creepy. More, man, like, manipulatable? Like, they just... They, they follow directions better? Yeah, literally. That's good. So, I mean, just, like, let's get... I don't know, just the thought of, like, a five-year-old trying to socialize, but they're, like, on Zoom. I know, it is sad. I feel like my social skills have have decreased. And I'm 19 years old. Like, I see someone at a coffee shop, and I'm like, hey there, partner! Because I'm just, like, so excited to see another human being. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. So, also some good news. The U.S. Supreme Court denied the former president and his attempt to try to block the release of his tax returns. Yay! Oh, um, by the way, he said that the uh, inquiry is a politically motivated attack by New York Democrats, um, calling it a witch hunt, which isn't surprising. He loves to use that word. Uh, The Supreme Court has set in basically... This motion allows it so they could start a criminal trial of a former president. He has committed illegal acts with his tax returns. Like, he's done sketchy shit, so he doesn't want to be prosecuted because he knows he's done sketchy shit. So I'm just going to sit back and sit my tea and watch this man go to jail. And that's that. Nice. Um, our fourth story of good-ish news in a row. This has never happened before, actually. The last story is really dark, so I wanted to, like, kind of cushion it. Um, so, Illinois has become the first state to eliminate cash bail. Yes! Thank God! Um, so, if you don't know why cash bail is bad, because I feel like it's been so normalized, like, you just kind of realize, but I feel like some people don't realize the implications of this, is that any sort of thing where it's, like, you pay to get your way out of it basically makes it easier for the rich to get away with things um, and really disproportionately affects the poor. Um, Also because like usually if you are, if you are not as wealthy, you have a worse lawyer, not like worse, but you don't have like, you know, the big, like big law lawyer um, because you don't have the money for that. So then you would probably get a higher bail anyway and proportionate with your income to like higher income offenders if that makes sense um and then it kind of just traps a lot of people who they personally or their families can't pay um it just kind of like traps them in jail basically until their trial which can be years and years and years 
Um, so this is great. This is a win. Um, so additionally, the governor is pushing for increased accountability measures for police officers like body cameras, which, I mean, are they effective? No, but moving on. Um, I mean, it's good, at least, hopefully, you would like to think if a police officer is wearing a body camera, there's gonna they're going to be more conscious of the way that they act. They like, turn them off, though. That's the thing. But at least, like, starting by... I don't know. It's a step in the right direction. Like, maybe first it'll be body cameras, and then it'll be, like, you know, you have to kind of start slowly. Yeah, I mean, I tend to be critical of the police specifically, because I know that if someone turns their body camera off and then, like, kills someone, um, the police union will just protect them anyway. So it's, like, whatever. But I guess it's, like, a step in the right direction on the surface. Whether or not this will translate into any meaningful change... The answer is no. But anyways, so judges can't set bail for a defendant charged with a crime anymore. Um, so instead, judges will be presented with evidence to determine what kind of risk releasing a defendant poses to the community um, and whether or not the defendant can be counted on to return to court. Um, so they would basically be released on their own cognizance um, or if they're like too much of an, uh, you know, a threat um, you know, if this is like a serial killer we're talking about here, then they just keep them without bail. Which, like, obviously, if you are being accused of being, like, if you've committed, like, a terrorist attack or even just, like, a murder, like, you're, like, they're, like, you murdered someone, we can get into, like, who's charged for murder and, like, discrimination. But again, this is a huge step in the right di- direction because, like, instead of being put in jail for, I don't know, stealing a backpack, you'll actually be put in jail for something that's like a significant crime before your trial um and so then that way if you are found like innocent of your crime and your crime was like oh you stole something you're not traumatized by the experience of jail if we want to get like real pessimistic about it um i mean like you can argue that the people might just start being funneled into jail based on like perceived threat instead like people who would have gotten bail might just be put into jail anyway and again if you don't have the resources to properly defend yourself but i i tend to think that this will work more in the positive than the negative i mean i I don't you think more people are going to be put into jail than people who would be put who would be released from the well it's less like It's more like I just have such a disillusionment with the American justice system that although this is definitely a win on paper, I feel like it might be used negatively, if that makes sense. Like there's always some sort of caveat there. I definitely think discrimination will continue to occur and like adult black men will be seen as more of a threat for the same crimes committed by adult white men. But I think the percentage of innocent people who will spend time in jail will decrease. Maybe so. But that's just me. Uh, Okay, well, I'm going to just get into the really dark news. I don't know if I just, like, go right in. So the Italian ambassador was one of three who was killed in a UN um, attack in the Congo. So there's been a lot of violence going on in the Congo, and the reason that I brought up this story is Alexis and I are actually learning about it in our human rights in Africa class, so I thought it would be interesting to talk about. So the attack took place in the east of the country, which is, like, near the border of Rwanda, um, and it's there's a lot of, like, violence going on, and Rwanda has, like, tried to help intervene because they 
have past experience with the Rwandan genocide. Um, and so it's just like a lot of like top down oppression and like violent killing. I don't really know how else to say it. Um, so all the three men that were in the car were in like a, a group of vehicles that was headed to uh, a city for the World Food Program. And then basically ever since the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Congo gained independence in 1960, which we can like get more into that later, but like they weren't like gradually placed into independence. They were just kind of like thrown in, which like colonization is bad and countries should be independent. But when you colonize a country and you rule over the country for so long, you can't just throw them into independence. There actually needs to be a path to independence. And we see this was also true in like more advanced countries that were also colonized so for example i would argue that like india is a more advanced country that was called like now is a more advanced country that was colonized um especially because of like the economic growth that's happening in the country but the tensions between india and pakistan are because of colonization it's like came out of that um long story short you can't just like release colonized countries and be like figure it out so after this br brutal colonial period there was like a bunch of civil wars and basically it just is like a continuation of dictators and like there was a new president in tw january of 2019 um which like people were hopeful about but now the election is being seen as like fraudulent so yeah basically um to supplement with context that we've learned from our class Basically, it was like there was this president. He was president for I don't even remember how long. This is so horrible, <laughs> my my detail remembrance. But basically, he was like super horrible, human rights abuses, cracking down on people, killing people, whatever. So this new president was like, I am going to step in and I'm gonna have justice for these people. Sorry. So when he came to power, he was basically saying that he was going to um, bring the victims' families to justice and prosecute these top government officials who had basically killed a bunch of people, innocent people, imprisoned people, um, things like that. A lot of people went like missing, abducted by the government, like really horrible human rights stuff. He hasn't really followed through on any of these things. Um, when he was elected, the people weren't, like, jumping up and down. They were like, yes, this is the president we want. They were just kind of like, okay, this is better than what we had. Please follow through on what you've promised. And he's kind of been like, eh, you know. Not only has he not, like, followed through on prosecuting, like, the past president and past people who've committed human rights abuses, he himself is also committing human rights abuses, and he's using like the COVID-19 pandemic as a front, basically. Yeah. Like he's, he, so basically there's a recognition that the pandemic allows for the limits of certain human rights, like large gatherings, which is like why we can restrict like the assembly of churches in the United States. That's not normally allowed, but because of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a recognition that like some human rights can be I wouldn't say suppressed, but like temporarily put on. It's hold. like restricted in restricted. a public, in a public national emergency, and although COVID is clearly a public national emergency, killing people 
is not stopping the spread of COVID, you know, like imprisoning journalists and not letting them out unless they write like a letter of apology not to the government COVID. is not stopping the spread Those of COVID. Those are just human rights abuses. So basically, yeah, human rights abuses are still happening. They're still bad. We still don't like them. So. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, and we just had class, you know, before we came here and we had a speaker from Human Rights Watch, as well as our professor also worked for Human Rights Watch, just like talking about like the work that they do. And I feel like we sometimes get so detached from human rights abuses that even when we're talking about it, we'll be like, oh, they're killing innocent people. They're killing journalists. They're imprisoning people. We say it sort of casually. And then like we heard some personal stories today of like being on the ground and doing that field work and just like how gruesome it is and like especially being from the united states we are a powerful country and we can convince countries to act in different manners and especially even though we like i tend to poke fun at sanctions if you put a very heavy sanction on a country that's committing human rights abuses that is dependent on the u.s economically it will have an impact and it's something so easy for us to do like that's one of the easiest actions that we can take or something our professor mentioned what i did which i didn't realize was a possibility was like putting sanctions on an individual rather than punishing the whole country um which i thought was like a really interesting solution so if you like a dictator you're like you can no longer benefit from this relationship and maybe that's a step in the right direction seeing how as in the past we were putting dictators in power so maybe we can try to like uno reverse yeah i will say that like sanctions although they are effective sometimes i will say that it does tend to it's this kind of like collective punishment in which it hurts the people more than it really hurts the leaders that like don't really you know like, that's why the individual sanctions are good yeah that's what i'm saying like San- like you know sanctions are one of those things where it's like okay it works but you're also like killing these impoverished people or like coalitions with other countries are really powerful if like countries come together and are like yeah we're not gonna stand for that sending in troops and then like the thing is like also sending in troops sending in like peacekeepers which like we again learned today is like yes that can help but they can also commit human rights abuses so you have to monitor like you can't send a bunch of peacekeepers to another country that's very far away and be like okay we're done you need to monitor them you need to provide them with accurate like supplies information so that they can actually prevent violence and conflict yeah education programs are really important like setting up infrastructure so people aren't like so children can get educated can have food even like more basic can have food water shelter i mean we are talking about countries where like i mean alexis and i read like the man who came and spoke today did like a a journalistic report on what is going on not in the democratic republic of the congo in another country in africa but nonetheless like there's children dying from starvation because they can't get food for them yeah and i'll just wrap this up by saying that like when we talk about human rights abuses we tend to very much focus on other countries and kind of be like oh that government is so bad like they're abusing their people but it's important to realize that human rights abuses still happen in western quote-unquote civilized countries um the perpetrators of colonialism still have human rights abuses in their own country like there's children being locked up in the united states and separated from their families and that's absolutely disgusting as we know also like 
being assaulted in those institutions, not being given adequate sanitation, so they're getting sick and dying. Yeah, and like we can very much argue that the American prison system, as well as the amount of people in poverty in the U.S., are also at least quasi-human rights abuses. Um, I think you can argue that more strongly with the prison system than you can with poverty. I'm not saying that, like, extreme poverty isn't bad, but especially the prison system, we're actively putting people in. Like, it's easier for people to understand that argument because when you're, like, solitary confinement is inhumane because you are actively putting someone alone, which you know can have psychological damage. And, like, it takes, I think it takes time to realize how bad it is because sometimes you, it's like you want to mentally block it off. I remember I used to think that, like, I don't know. I was like, yeah, rapists should be put in solitary confinement. They're awful human beings. You, someone can still be an awful human being, but is deserving of some sort of respect. Like, yeah. be, be, punishing someone in that horrific of a way doesn't change the fact that they already committed the crime. Yeah, and I will say that, like, this is something that I find important because I talk about, like, wanting universal health care and like all of that stuff all these like progressive ideas and then you kind of have to grapple with the fact that it's universal you can't make you you can't discriminate between human beings based on their past actions no matter how horrific of a crime they've committed people need to be punished people who commit human rights abuses need to be punished everyday perpetrators of violent crime need to be punished like domestic abusers need to be punished i firmly believe that and i think i think most people believe that Maybe we need to take a step back and think about how we are punishing them. Yeah. Because, like... Is putting someone in a cell... Yeah, it's hurting them. But is that is that, all, is that our only goal? To hurt them? Or are we trying to rehabilitate them? Yeah. Are we trying to eventually have them re-enter society? Yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the majority of people that go to jail recently found out that a life sentence does not mean someone's entire life okay so like most people that are going to jail for even the most violent of crimes they're they're coming out of jail most people that are going to jail are not expecting to die in jail so to punish them to alienate them to isolate them that's just gonna that's just gonna make them want to commit more or like be forced to commit crime when they come out of jail so anyways we could keep talking about this forever but long story short if you don't know about human rights abuses if you're curious about human rights abuses you want to learn more human rights watch great website they have a lot of articles that kind of just give you the bare bones of what is going on and action items that you can take yeah and i would just say when talking about human rights try not to take like an american-centric lens and be like oh these like poor countries are like killing their citizens because like the u.s is the richest country in the world and we're still killing our citizens so just important to recognize i guess well, and, oh, <laughs> i just hit the mic and that's a wrap on the news we're recording again hi well, all right, welcome back. Today we will be talking about conservative talk radio. Um, <laughs> what? I need to, okay, I just want to start off. Why are we talking about conservative talk radio? Why? Of all the topics that we could come back with, although this wasn't our original topic of choice, but we did record the same episode twice, and I feel like we couldn't talk about it for a third time. Um, but why are we talking about this? 
I want I just want to give a little bit of context. Um, I'm an avid or I was an avid listener of conservative talk radio. Um, I am not a conservative at all. If you have listened to anything I've said, probably in this episode as well, but for like any of our episodes, you would know I'm like the complete opposite of a conservative. But my boyfriend, who's also not a conservative, listens to conservative talk radio because it's the only talk radio like in our area. We very recently got NPR. But, like, he would listen to conservative talk radio and, like, laugh at it and be like, this shit is so stupid. And I never understood. I was like, why would you hate listen to conservative talk radio when you're, like, driving to work? That doesn't sound appealing to me. And then I did it with him, not driving to work. I don't know how to drive and I don't have a job. But um, I, I have listened to so much of it. I have such, like, an, uh, like a unique experience with it listening to conservative talk radio both local and national as like a very progressive person so that's why i wanted to talk about it today i am taking a media and democracy class where we examine what fakes what fake news is like the rise of fake news looking at it not only from like a journalist perspective of like how to gain credibility again in this like kind of new age of journalism but just like the public we've been talking about conspiracy theories we've been talking about like QAnon and all this stuff and later we're going to get into like how to talk to family members who've like succumbed to conspiracy theories or like have kind of gone off track of like what their normal values were so that's why I wanted to talk about it is because I feel like I've learned a lot of really valuable things from this class that I like want to share with you guys and like it's not going to be luxury because that's like gross but there is a couple of things that I that I have learned in class that I wanted to share because I think that they're interesting. One of them is like the difference between mis and disinformation. So one is the idea that you you share false information, but it's not on purpose. It's because you think it's true. So this is true of a lot of people who like believe QAnon. Like they're not sharing Pizzagate because they want to like dissuade and like hurt people. They're sharing it because they think it's true and like feel like we need to take action um whereas there's the other form where they know the information is false and they choose to share it and you might be like asking yourself like why would you choose to share like information that you know is false there's like lots of reasons money power control i mean the same reasons that drive us to do all sorts of other things like i love to lie for fun but imagine this on a uh, national scale that significantly hurts democracy because when I lie for fun that's just me exaggerating a funny little story for some laughs and giggles but when people lie for fun on Facebook about oh I don't know white genocide then that's what leads to the rise of populism and that is why Donald Trump got elected so and then like something else I wanted to talk about is like and this is specific to the topic that we're talking about today conservative talk radio if you've ever like stumbled upon one of these programs they're like three hours long oh yeah they can even be longer and so actually i mean what you're listening to right now a podcast is considered like a more elite form of like talk radio um it it tends to be shorter it tends to be more concise and it tends to be targeting like a liberal elite audience who tend to not necessarily have less time but want their information quicker 
Whereas with conservative talk radio, you can have people who are either in vehicles for longer just because that's the nature of their job, or it is a strategy because if you continuously inundate people and they're getting no outside information, they will start to believe you. So you might, let's take Alexis for example, okay? Let's pretend that she doesn't go to BU, that she's not taking the classes that she is and isn't like, I'm counting on my fingers, isn't exposed to like outside information and starts by listening to conservative talk radio as a joke. <laughs> now she starts listening to it. I'm radicalized. I'm full on QAnon. I'm on Facebook being like, oh, Donald Trump will save us. I will also say another interesting form of strategy that conservative talk or like talk radio in general is that sometimes, although there are people that will be in a car for a long time, sometimes you only have like five, 10 minutes to grab someone's attention on their way to the store, on their way to work. They're not listening to like a full podcast where like you can pause, you can go back, you can rewind, whatever. You have to grab someone's attention for a very short time, which is why there's a lot of fear mongering that happens through talk radio specifically. It's the same on the news, but the news you kind of like can put on in the background, you're like at your house. But if you are listening to the radio, if your commute to work is only 10 minutes, they only have 10 minutes to convince you of something. So things tend to be, in my personal experience, very like fast, very dramatic, very attention grabbing, and there's no nuance there. It's just like, they say something, no explanation. You just kind of move on. You have to take it at face value. And there's a lot of things that we do this in life that it's not harmful like, for example, when Alexis is like, you suck, you drink cow's milk, oat milk is the best thing ever, oat milk, iced lattes, and you're like dramatic and you're like, you're a kill. What? Like, if you, we had this exactly. conversation. Exactly. Like, how really, I like to lie for fun. That's not really hurting anyone. Like, it kind of annoys me, um, but we are friends and we move past it and we laugh. Whereas if she was doing this in a more radicalizing way, the consequences could be really harmful. And so, speaking of harmful. It's also kind of like... Um, Imagine if you could only read newspaper headlines and you could never read a full article ever. And you're just like, I don't... That's what listening to conservative talk radio is like because they they only talk about the headlines, which are super dramatic and like attention grabbing. Sometimes there's just like straight up lies in there or at least they're like manipulating facts to fit a, to fit their agenda. And It'll like, be like Kamala Harris said she hates Americans. And then they just kind of like take callers and the callers are like oh my god joe biden is killing this country anyways we'll get into like some personal testimony but i also want to go over quickly i'm sorry two more things and then we'll kind of get into the history of talk conservative talk radio the first is filter bubble versus echo chamber so an echo chamber is like they're both the same idea of like hearing repeating content surrounding yourself whatever one is by choice You choose to engage with like the same sources, the same people, whatever. One is done for you. So like on social media apps like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, even TikTok, these algorithms are working harder and harder to become more personalized to you because the more people stay on your app, the more advertisements you can sell, the more money you can get, make. They didn't intend for this to be as harmful as it is, but unfortunately, The fact that when I go on YouTube and the first thing that pops up is like nighttime skincare routines, not inherently bad because I like watching people do nighttime skincare routines. But what if I click on one video that says something that I like a Fox News video? I think the title's interesting. And then it starts recommending another one for me to watch that auto plays. The alt-right pipeline. Right pipeline is a very 
harmful thing. And it happens to a lot of young white boys who are feeling alienated in life. Maybe they're like, oh, I get bullied at school. Fucking whatever. But then, like, it starts off with, like, random Fox News or, like, SJW, like, annihilated by Ben Shapiro. And then it suddenly turns into, like, more and more and more suddenly indoctrinated into, like, white genocide-esque QAnon-esque conspiracy. They grab you in by finding something that you're insecure, you're weak about, that you're confused about, and then they continue to radicalize you. So for example, if you're someone who just lost your job and you're feeling insecure about it, and you're like, why did I lose my job? I feel like I'm a hard worker. I feel like I do good work. Suddenly they say, they didn't, you didn't lose your job because you're not a hard worker. You lost your job because someone took it from you. And that's that all someone is an immigrant. And you're like, wait a minute, someone took my job? Someone who's not from, like, it's convict, like, it sounds crazy when I'm saying it now, because you're like, I mean, I don't know, my, my parents are immigrants, like, at, like, I can't really, like, make this super convincing, but they, it's strategic, and it's scary, and it's manipulative, and something that my professor has said over and over and over again, people are not stupid for believing QAnon. People are not stupid for believing conspiracy theories. These creators of these theories and these social media media platforms work in a way together to make them spread quickly and be believable. And so on that note, the final thing is there's two overlapping themes of like most conspiracy theories and it's children and sex. And sometimes they're together. So like child sex trafficking is like a big, one of the most like, prominent conspiracy theories going around related to different things. It's related to QAnon. It's related to a conspiracy theory about Wayfair that they were selling young girls through cabinets. They were just selling cabinets. Um, And this is harmful because a lot of like sex trafficking experts are like this detracts attention from like real sex trafficking victims, like real victims of human trafficking who we need to help. So children being harmed or just like sexual scandals as a whole not even involving children are two of the biggest themes so gearing more towards where does conservative talk radio from and then we can talk about the current state of it um so there was this conservative like quote-unquote alienation um aka victimization in the 1970s because it was like oh like woodstock and like the civil rights movement conservatives were like wow wow there's nothing for me the media is so liberal blah 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 and then like the rise of populism basically led to conservatives demanding their own media which is the rise of fox news and then obviously like television was very prominent at this time but also this was before like the internet and phones and everything so radio was still like what you would listen to in your car um so because you have to think about it like not every American had a television, had access to a television, but most Americans have cars. Yeah. So basically, and I mean, like, I don't really know anything about the history from like the start to now. I don't really know anything about really what's happening now like from an academic point of view but i'm just going to tell you what i have experienced i will say before just like one historical thing is so there used to be something called the fairness doctrine which basically the idea was there's limited like wave lengths that's not the right word broadcast waves you know what i'm trying to say and they belong to the american people so if you're going to have a political show you have to give equal airtime to two perspectives um 
And this would work both in Republicans' favors and Democrats' favors. Because if you had a very liberal show, they had to acknowledge the other perspective for equal airtime. Like, it was legally required. Once the fairness doctrine was repealed, that's when we get Rush Limbaugh. Like, that's when yeah. things get really dark. So, let's before we get into... Um... <laughs> more specifically um this one person that i have a lot of experience with um the current state based on what i've listened to so the way that i have separated it is there's local and then there's like national so there's one channel where i'm from and they have like multiple different radio shows and some of them are like local as in like very local as in like my former town selectman is like one of these people but then there's also people that you know sean hannity ben shapiro uh i don't know like those people like the fox news-esque kind of people who now i think they've switched more to like a podcast thing because it might be more beneficial for them um because radio is kind of like going out the window or whatever but there's a distinct difference here. They're kind of, they kind of come together because they've really transformed into just the Trump channels. A lot of people are like, like, okay, I have a list of quotes that I've heard on conservative talk radio that I think are just absolutely like funny or like weird or whatever. So one of them was, we're going to form the American conservative party for the followers of Donald Trump. Um, conservatism as a whole has kind of turned towards Trumpism, like just for the past four years, it's still happening. People were calling in, like, January, still calling the election fraudulent, like, all that stuff. Um, So much of, like, local conservative radio is what you would expect from local Republicans. It's very pro-cop, COVID denier, like, anti-lockdown, especially, like, in my town because we're very much, like, small business. And they're, like, COVID is hurting or, like, the lockdowns are hurting small businesses and stuff. Just a bunch of, like, angry white men calling in to other angry white men and just being angry white men um, on air. Um, Super, like, again, with the whole, like, attention-grabbing, dramatic, like, they call people socialist, Marxist, communist. Not they call people socialist and they call people Marxist. They call them socialist, Marxist, Marxist, communists. Um, And when when I'm saying people, you might be thinking, oh, they're talking about, like, actual communists no they're talking about like rachel maddow and like kamala harris they're like these people are socialists this is like a common thread um people saying like i don't need specific proof of this i just know that it's true okay um and then there was one quote that i found very funny joe biden may be my president but he is also my enemy which same but from a completely (laughs) different perspective watch out alexis is getting radicalized guys yeah I'm actually becoming more conservative as I listen to conservative talk radio. Uh, I can't imagine. Although I will say that, like, I understand how radicalization happens because I listen to these things. And, like, I know from years of being a black woman, but also from years of, like, tr- like just years. It just happened, like, five Academic years ago. training and, like, knowing about fake news and knowing about radicalization and knowing the facts. I know that what they're saying is wrong. But if I was uneducated... I would be like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Immigrants are actually taking over. Eh, whatever. So that's kind of like my general perspective on like the current state of it. What you can kind of expect when you tune into like a random program. If It's basically Fox News, but without the flashy images. So 
Yeah. And now there's a trend of conservatives thinking that Fox News is too liberal. Oh, so yes. So they're turning to, like, other news outlets. Like, I'm not going to call them news outlets. Other... Newsmax and OAN. Yeah. yeah. Although one of them, was it Newsmax or was it OAN? I can't remember. Getting sued? No, not getting sued. They said they released something that was, like, based on what's already been called Joe Biden has, like, officially won the election. They weren't saying, like, Joe Biden is our president. They weren't saying anything. This is, like, a completely unbiased something you would find on, like, um, the Associated Press. And people were like, Newsmax, I think it was Newsmax. They were like, Newsmax is too liberal. They've sold out. They said Joe Biden is our president. That's obviously a lie. So then now it's, like, just OAN. I haven't listened to conservative talk radio in, like, two months. So I'm not really sure what's happening now with that. There's also this human tendency when something really dramatic happens, like, for example, COVID-19. The cause of it is relatively, honestly, boring. It's like, it's from a bat that's spread to another animal, that's spread to a human, most likely from Wuhan, China. That doesn't seem to make sense for why we're wearing masks and why I can't hug my friends and what like it's too simplistic of an explanation a lot of times for people so they it ha it has to be that it was created in the lab that's how conspiracies really work too they take they take some things that are relatively simplistic and they add a layer of skepticism and that's how they convince you because if you are already like oh this seems like such a silly reason for why everything is the way it is, conspiracy theories are very, very appealing. Well, it's interesting because if you compare the actual JFK assassination, as in like him getting shot, and the attempted, which should have been successful, assassination of Ronald Reagan, there's only conspiracies about JFK's assassination because he actually died. No one has like conspiracy theory, or maybe there are, but they're not as popularized because Reagan didn't actually die. So people kind of just forget about it. But with, when something so like life altering happens, like a president getting shot or a pandemic happening, people have to have some other explanation rather than like it was just a guy with a gun or it was just like a bat. Like they have to be like, it was the CIA, which I mean, we can talk about that in more depth later. Or it has to be like the Jewish deep state or whatever. The the Jewish deep state. So Rush Limbaugh died like a few weeks ago. Um, he was like a conservative talk radio big wig, kind of like sh like Sean Hannity and like Ben Shapiro kind of guy. But imagine like way more racist, way more homophobic. Celebrated AIDS victims' deaths on air. Like rung bells, had music playing with like name off people that were literally victims of the AIDS epidemic. Like invented racism was just like a super bad guy. So he died. I don't really have much more to say on it. He won one of the highest medals in the United States, which is unfortunate. That is unfortunate. Um, given to him by President Trump. The man that I want to talk about today is my personal favorite, but in such a dark way. And I feel like the way that, <laughs> the way that I'm going to talk about this guy, you're going to think that I like have some love affair with him. I don't. I hate this man. This man is abhorrent. He has abhorrent views on everything. But my boyfriend and I have spent a lot of time listening to him. And I have a lot of knowledge about him. He is my enemy. His name is Michael Savage. Okay. Um, let me just give you a little background on old Mikey Mike. Um, so he's a 78-year-old Jewish racist man who lives in San Francisco. Um, he 
went to college he went to like uc berkeley for like horticulture and like holistic medicine he published a bunch of books on that but in the 60s he was radicalized to the right by like the rise of hippie culture he was friends with a bunch of beatnik poets like alan ginsburg but it was like you guys are fucking gross so basically he became this like big conservative guy um and he had been on the radio i think for like 25 years he stopped his radio show in january of 2021 now has a podcast um but this man is a genuine enigma like this man baffles me every single time i listen to him he was banned from britain in 2009 because of hate speech yeah um and basically the first michael savage episode i ever listened to he was talking about this ban and he was like hitler won in the uk because they banned me we need president trump and boris johnson to like um release the ban on him on me or like on me and it was it's just so funny because he was like they banned me i couldn't even do anything this is like a violation of my right like blah 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 blah. he's oh it's so funny it's so hard maybe i'll try to insert a clip or something it's so hard to capture who michael savage is without actually listening to him speak i have some of his quotes but anyways he's buddy buddy with trump um he like they've been pictured this guy is also five two should i have started off with that this is a five to man there's so much Maybe hatred that's why he's racist there's so much hatred in this like little tiny man's body he's buddy buddy with trump as i was saying he was like hanging out with him he was doing some things i don't know you can read his wikipedia page his three main things are borders language and culture he's like a white genocide su- not supporter believer believer he believes that there is a white genocide he thinks he's like super homophobic super racist super bad um super gross as i said he has a podcast you can listen to it on spotify um it's on spotify yeah this man is like a syndicated radio host this man has been on the air for he's in the national radio hall of fame nope spotify is supposed to like approve like listen through podcasts to like make sure that they're not like hateful and i feel like this classifies as hateful (sighs) No, he is in, like, the National Radio Hall of Fame. This man is, like, very famous to, like, a few people. He has this book called Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. The Michael Savage Show. Yes, the Savage Doctor, Nation. Dr. Michael Savage. Yes, Dr. Michael Savage. Um, you can he's look a at- New York Times bestselling author? Yes, he's written about 30 books. His most prominent is Liberalism is a Mental Disorder. Um, yes, that is the real title. The not, t- can, I, can I read this description to yeah. you? I mean, I'm not going to read, like, his background because I don't want to. Uh, um, let's see. Not your father's conservative show, animal rights activist. He converses about politics. Oh, that's not capitalized. Science, films, mysticism, nutrition, cooking, cars, and boats. News, views, and reviews you can trust. <laughs> And See? then the fir- most recent episode is called, from Monday, The Death of Talk, How Extremists Are Using Race to Cancel Free Speech. Yes. So, okay. Here we're going to wow. have a little segment. We're going to have a little segment here called Michael Savage's Notable Quotes. This is the worst of the worst. I have a whole notes app full of these, and I listed about 15. Um, so... I'm just going to list off some of my favorites. Okay. For context, he has a 
very, for some reason, he has a problem with like every liberal ever, but Jake Tapper specifically just gets him all up in a tizzy. So Jake Tapper, that rat bum, that foul smelling thing of a human corpse. Also, Jake Tapper deserves to have his assets seized by the government. <laughs> I don't... I don't know what Jake Tapper ever did. Jake Tapper is a lowly CNN anchor. Jake Tapper has never offended me personally. Leave that man alone. Okay. Next up, drop dead Don Lemon. I found this one to be quite funny. What did Don Lemon do? It's it's unclear. Who knows? Like, yes, these quotes are taken out of context, but try to imagine the context that they're spoken in, and you can't. We should round up all of the homeless people. I remember the context for this one. This was about um, COVID. And he was saying that rather than locking down the country, we should simply round up all of the homeless people that are spreading the virus. Only homeless people can spread the virus? Okay. Cooking the liberals over short fire, minced Democrat lo mein. I'm upset. Okay. Trump supporters are anarcho-libertarian conservatives. I just found this one funny. I don't know what... I have no idea what that political alignment is. Um, After Biden is pushed off a cliff in his wheelchair. He's not in a wheelchair. I know. See, it's it's hard to capture his vigor when saying these quotes. Um, He calls AOC occasional cortex. This one's a little clever, I'm not going to lie. I'm a fervent AOC supporter. Let's not get this twisted. But occasional cortex is kind of a catchy nickname. All right, that's enough of you. He also calls Rachel Maddow Rachel Madcow. All right. Um, then we have God himself, comma, Ronald Reagan. Oh, wow. And this lockdown is affirmative action. Okay, well, I'm, the only thing I'm going to say about this is, like, while these quotes are so ridiculous and while conservative talk radio seems so ridiculous it's easy for people to get sucked in and rather than shaming the people who honestly subscribe to conservative talk radio we need to honestly just more about what radicalizes people because research on that is really helpful and can help prevent like you said like a lot of like young white boys who are alienated from society from being radicalized but feel perfectly free to shame conservative radio talk hosts because they know exactly what they're doing they know they're radicalizing people they know they're causing problems and they're proud of themselves for doing it i will say if you are set in your beliefs I would recommend listening to conservative talk radio once in a while. I think it's very funny and can also be quite enlightening. And it's not just like I sit here and I laugh at like Sean Hannity and Michael Savage. I mean, I do that. But I think it also is important with the increasing polarization of this country to fully grasp not only like what conservatives think, but how they're communicating it to their audience. Yeah. Because it's very, very simple for you the elite liberal to talk down to conservatives but i think that if you listen to conservative talk radio and you fully grasp what they're talking about and you fully understand how say michael savage is communicating to his followers what he believes it's easier to combat things like that if that makes sense i completely agree i would say i mean i'm not gonna listen to conservative talk radio because 
I sit in a three-hour class and talk about this stuff and listen to the content and consume it, and it does. It is tiring mentally, but I will say definitely examining why people think the way they do. And the thing is, is something my professor mentioned is like, it's not about changing their mind, but it's about not cutting them off because the more that they get isolated into that world, the more extreme they're going to become. And like a lot of people have compared, honestly, QAnon to a cult. So just like if a family member has succumbed to a cult, you don't completely cut them off because then if they eventually want to leave the cult, they can't, they have no one to reach out to. You continue to maintain as much contact as you mentally can. And you talk to them about things that aren't the conspiracy theory. And if they bring up something that they want to talk to you about, then you can engage in that conversation. But don't just have a, a screaming battle where nothing changes, but do maintain those relationships. And I will say just one last thing is that when liberals tend to talk to conservatives, there's this sense of elitism that comes out of it because it's like people tend to shame conservative areas of the country or conservative people as being uneducated and while this is like a very easy like point and laugh like haha like whatever you have to realize the reasons why people turn to republican values i found it really interesting i've seen a couple of tiktoks from people from appalachia which is like um the region with like pennsylvania and west virginia and they were talking about like we were historically very blue we were very pro-worker like workers unions whatever but we have been ignored for so long by the liberal government in like the 60s that it turned over to Republican kind of like for survival. And they've also ignored it. But it's like they're so entrenched in these values now that it's hard to separate that. And I just think that you have to realize that like the country isn't just the West Coast and the East Coast. Yeah, there is something in the middle. And like it, I mean, it really relates back to our, like, human rights comment. Everyone is disturbing of d- dignity and respect. And, like, yes, people can have abhorrent views, and it's easy to look down and criticize them. But you need to take a step back and think about what has led them to have these views and what conditioning has happened that's actually beyond their control. And on that note, we want you to shut up and start talking to people you may disagree with. Yes. Yes.